0: For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. was well, from the words of Jesus Christ, in the name of the living God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I know it's only been two, week, two weeks since I've been here, but uh, it's felt a little bit longer than that. I, I've, I've missed being here and worshiping with y'all and talking with y'all, so it's, just, it's great to be back with, with you. So I did want to start just by saying thank you. A couple of weeks ago, I was at Camp Cruces all week with about a hundred junior high and high school students and it was a great week. The, the staff was great. The students were great. I knew a lot of people grew in their faith and grew in the knowledge and love of the Lord. And I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to say that that after that week, it took about a week to recover. <laughs> I'll just chalk it up to introvert problems of maybe getting a little bit older. So. Amy and I, we, we, t- we took the boys down uh, to the beach to, to relax, or try to relax. I mean, we, we have an infant, we have a toddler, so relaxing is now a relative term. But it was great to be in God's creation with, with the sand and the ocean. So all I'd say, thank you for that time at Camp Cruises and that time off. It was, it was good for me, it was good for my marriage, and, and I'm glad to be back past few Sundays have been some really incredible and important gospel readings they've all been in the sixth chapter of John's gospel it's it's during the the bread of life discourse by Jesus And and I want to be very clear about this John 6 is about faith and Eucharist faith and Eucharist and if you don't get anything else from the sermon today, I, I hope many of us will decide to read this chapter this week, John 6. It's one of the most important theological chapters in all of the gospel books. So let's get a little bit of context. John 6 opens with Jesus feeding 5,000 people with only five loaves of bread and two fish. It's an, it's an incredible story that's in all four gospel accounts. And in this account, in, in, in John's account... The response of the people is that they want to make him king. Not a bad response, right? But it's, it's not the right time. It's not the right circumstances. So Jesus withdraws by himself and his disciples get into the boat for their next destination. They go about three or four miles out onto the sea. And incredibly, in the night, Jesus is walking on the sea coming towards them. I mean, who does that? Who feeds 5,000 people with five loaves, and who walks on water? Only someone who has power and authority over creation. So Jesus gets into the boat, they, they reach their destination, it's, it's, a, it's a small fishing village on the northern su- shore of the Sea of Galilee, it's, it's called Capernaum. Now the the people who saw the miracle of the loaves, they also got in their boats, and they they went after. They, they sought after Jesus. I mean, they, they knew he could heal people. They had seen him multiply five loaves and, food, and two fish. And again, not a bad response to, to go after him, to go out seeking him. I mean, what else can this guy do? So the crowds, they get there, they get to this fishing town of Capernaum, and they go into the synagogue. It's a place of Singing, a place of reading, an explanation of scripture, kind of like this going on right here. And that's when Jesus goes into this teaching that we call the bread of life discourse. And in it, he says, I am the bread of life. The Jews start to murmur. He goes on to say, I am the living bread, and the bread which I shall give, the life of the world, is my flesh. Now the Jews begin to dispute among themselves. Again, not a bad response. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they say. Jesus goes on to say, Truly, truly, amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life within you. For my flesh is real food, my blood is real drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. What we don't read today, but but what happens in the verses that follow is that after this, many of his disciples actually draw back and they no longer follow Jesus because they knew what he was saying. They knew he was literally talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And for, for a first century Jew, that was theologically problematic at its best and disgusting at its worst. You see, for for thousands of years, throughout the Old Testament, the people of God, they were prohibited from eating animal skin with its blood. The blood was seen as the life, and all life belongs to God. So they were prohibited from eating flesh with blood. So here's Jesus speaking to a Jewish audience not just talking about eating animal skin, but his own flesh and his own blood. So yes, the Jews argued about what the heck he was talking about. And Jesus is given multiple opportunities to explain himself, just to say, oh, no, 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 I mean it in a symbolic way, a metaphorical way. But he doesn't do that. He actually intensifies his language. If you can remember the story of Jesus and Nicodemus. This is a story where we get John three, sixteen, right? When Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. We, we know that one, right? We see that at football games on posters and whatnot. Yeah. That's that's in John three. Okay, so the bread of life this course is John 6, just just three chapters. And in John three, when Jesus tells Nicodemus, that you must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven, Nicodemus says, how can that be? Am am I supposed to go back into the womb a second time? And Jesus says, yeah, that's exactly what you're supposed to do, right? No, thank you. (laughs) He clarifies it. He's saying it's speaking in a spiritual sense of rebirth by water and the spirit. So Jesus will clarify if he's speaking symbolically or metaphorically. But that's exactly what he doesn't do in John 6. He's given the opportunity to explain himself, and he intensifies the language. He says, unless you gnaw on the flesh, unless you drink the blood, my flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. This is the biblical basis of why the early church believed so strongly in the real presence of Jesus Christ in the bread and the wine. And if we think about it through the eyes of faith, it actually makes perfect sense. If life is in the blood, then this is how we are given the divine life of Jesus, through his blood. It's how Jesus gives himself to us over and over and over again. It's still a mystery. It's still a hard teaching, as a Jew said that day. For 2,000 years, it's still a hard te- teaching, a hard pill to saw- swallow, if you will, but Think about a moment for the power of words. Even in our language, even as, as humans, our words not only describe, but they can affect reality. Think about your own life. Maybe in the past there was, there was a coach or a parent or a mentor that said something to you and it caused a change for you. Maybe you remember saying words like this. I take you to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward until we are parted by death, this is my solemn vow. That'll change your reality, won't it? How about a police officer? You know, I have a friend who's a police officer in Bedford, and if I were to come up to him and say, Bobby, you're under arrest, he'd probably roll his eyes because it wouldn't mean anything. It wouldn't make a difference, right? But let's, let's switch the roles, okay? So, say I'm driving in Bedford, and he pulls me over in his cop car. He gets out. With his uniform and his badge and his gun and he says, Mark, you're under arrest. I'm under arrest. He has the power, and the, the authority for his words to affect reality. A baseball, umpire, uh, a baseball umpire is similar. I grew up playing ball and when I was a sixth grader, I was playing uh, a grade up so I could play on the same team as, as my older brother. and. I've always been a short guy, and some of these seventh graders were what we call early bloomers, and they looked like men to me. So I remember one game in particular. I'm batting ninth at the end of the lineup because I'm not very good. And this Goliath of a seventh grader is pitching, right? And obviously, he gets on me two strikes already. So this last pitch comes in, and it's headed right for me. So I hit the deck. Right. apparently he was trying this new pitch called a curveball so the umpire called strike three and I was out I got up, I disagreed because that ball was coming right at me and then I I said a word that a 6th grader probably shouldn't say and something I'm not going to say from the pulpit but when the umpire heard that not only was I out of the plate but I was out of the game By his authority, he declared me out. Three strikes, you're out. And then he ejected me from the game. And that changed my reality for that game, right? All right, so let's get back to the point. (laughs) Jesus is the word of God, the divine word of God. Remember that at the beginning, God speaks the world into being. God makes things by his word. Jesus being the word of God, what he says is let's look at a few things that jesus said little girl i say to you arise 13 year old dead girl rises from the dead lazarus come out a man who's been dead for several days rises from the dead to appear like he says pick up your mat and walk and he gets up and walks my son your sins are forgiven. And by God, they are forgiven. Jesus' words affect reality. So when Jesus, on the night before he is betrayed and put to death, has his last supper and says, this is my body, this is my blood, he isn't speaking in just poetry. He isn't speaking in just a symbolic or memorial kind of way. He's going back to that bread of life discourse. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him so what are we to do with this we celebrate it let's remember that Eucharist means thanksgiving it's a giving of thanks for the God who loves us forgives us, desires us died and rose again for us it's a thanksgiving that he gives us his own divine life in his body and blood, it's a celebration of his life, death and resurrection in which we have life We have forgiveness. We have hope in everlasting life. That's what the Eucharist is. It's the tangible way the love, grace, and mercy of God meets us in everyday means of bread and wine. It's the weekly celebration where the people of God come together and become united with God and one another. It's that sure and certain means by which we partake in the divine life of God. It's all about reality. The the reality that Jesus Christ, the Word of God, is alive, and he is the Lord of heaven and earth. And yes, I know it takes a certain amount of faith to believe that. The reality is that there is a real presence of Jesus Christ in the bread and wine. And yes, I know it takes a certain amount of faith to believe that. And you know, we can be like some of those in the synagogue of Capernaum that day when Jesus spoke, we can argue with ourselves and say, This is a hard teaching, and then walk away. Or we can be like the apostles who stay with Him, who believe and trust in Him, and then take Him out into the world. My brothers and sisters, let's be like the apostles. Let's commit ourselves to receive Christ in the Eucharist and take him out into the world, all for his glory, now and forever. Amen.